0: The prayer pronounced over the people of Israel by the Jewish high priest. An abstract concept expressed in English, but in the Hebrew. The words are concrete and they deal with the five emotions, the five senses. It is a prayer that God himself wrote, and there is an impartation of the Father. There is no high priest on the earth today, but there is one in heaven, Jesus And he is in us. When we proclaim it in his name, his person, his holy character, with his power and authority, he is speaking it through our mouth over his people. It is this that brings a revelation of the Father that is experiential. When the Hebrew is sung, something other happens supernaturally. We've heard it, haven't we? Uh, In the Hebrew, amplified to English. So I'll keep um, to read that then on the time. The Lord bless you.
1: So that, when it's unpacked, is May Yahweh, which is the Lord or Jehovah. Um, That was actually the the most holy name for God. So holy that the. um, the Jews, the Israelis, um, kind of named him other, other wonderful names but, um, because that, that, that word um, is, I, is the one that uh, God introduced himself to um, Moses and he said, I am who I am. So you can't really translate it, but Yahweh, I am who I am, or you could say he who exists. May Yahweh kneel before you Oh my goodness! Now, when I first heard that I thought, no, that cannot be. But when you think about it, Jesus knelt before his disciples to wash their feet. And when Adam was created, he was just a corpse to begin with. He just was lying on the floor, no life in him. And God breathed into him and when you think, if, if you've got to resuscitate someone, you have to get down on your knees, don't you? So there's a picture here of God kneeling before you, making himself available to you as your Heavenly Father, so that he can bestow on you his promises and gifts.
0: Next. And keep you. Sorry. And keep you
1: and guard you with a hedge of protection that will prevent Satan and all your enemies from harming you. May he protect your body, soul, mind and spirit, your loved ones and all your possessions.
0: The Lord make his face shine upon you.
1: May Yahweh, who he who exists, Illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, continually bringing you to order, sorry, continually bringing to you order (laughs) so that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose.
0: And be gracious to you.
1: This has a sense of the father looking into his child's eyes with great pleasure. Remember that The Father uh, does that with Jesus and so he does it with us. If we belong to him, it's the same. He looks into our eyes the same as he looks into Jesus' eyes. May Yahweh, he who exists, provide you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you and give you sustenance, provision, and friendship.
0: The Lord lift his countenance upon you.
1: May Yahweh, he who exists, lift up and carry his fullness of his being toward you, bringing everything that he has to your aid, supporting you with his divine embrace and his entire being.
0: And give you peace.
1: May Yahweh, He who exists, set in place all you need to be whole and complete so that you can walk in victory, moment by moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit. May He give you supernatural health, supernatural peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, Fullness, rest, harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. There you go. That's Hebrew for you. We don't have a language like that. (laughs) But it is just amazing when you start to unpack these words. I'm sure we'll say that again sometime. And um, on that note of blessing, shall we be blessed with prayer? Or are I going to bless the Lord with prayer? Maybe Sylvia can come and lead us in some praying?: John has something from the back, a little blast from the
2: past. So John 14 is where we're going to be reading in a moment. We're reading from John 14. <clears throat> and this is what John writes. Jesus is speaking and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. My Father's house has plenty of room. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place, the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on you do know him, and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, "...whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going over, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father." for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word handed down to us generation after generation in our own language and we thank you for the gift of this same Holy Spirit so we may understand your word. Therefore, Father, lead us into the truth that liberates us and sets us free to be the people of God you long for us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as the Beatles sang help I need somebody which actually when you think about it was quite an extraordinary song to write in the 1960s 1965 I think it was they're on the way up here becoming a famous band richer and famous John Lennon was 25 when he wrote it Paul McCartney was 23 when he wrote it so young men with the world at their feet asking for help that's a Quite a thing, isn't it? We all need help. When we're born, we are completely incapable of living an independent life. We need help. At the end of our lives, many find the challenge of no longer being able to do things they once did. And they find that asking for help is quite an embarrassment, an awkwardness. They feel difficult about that. But it's the truth. They will need help at one point or other. And few of us could realistically thrive in the wild—that is to say, away from all the sophisticated infrastructure of modern society—on their own, without any help from anyone else. People today in Western society who say, "I don't need anyone," actually do so against a backcloth of benefiting in countless routine ways of the help that other people give in terms of water and sewage services, electricity, roads, railways, heating, plumbing, to mention just a few things which we take for granted, without which life would be really tricky. It's noted that solitary confinement is a serious punishment reserved for the worst criminals because it is a profoundly difficult thing to endure, the cutting off of human contact. Someone has written a book, the title of which is simply, Help, Thanks, Wow. And she suggested that are the only three prayers you will ever need to know. Help, thanks and wow. Help being one of them. Yet we are taught from childhood as human beings to stand on our own two feet, not to depend on other people perhaps because the person recommending that has been let down by others. Indeed, the goal of parenthood is to raise children, this small child, to grow into an independent adult capable of making their own way in life. And yet, the reality is, we need help. That song says, Help, I need somebody. You know I need someone. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I ne- never needed anybody's help in any way. But now those days are gone and I'm not so self-assured. So now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the door. And this sense of independence we translate into our Christian lives when we become Christians. As human beings we've been taught to be Independent, and we bring that sense of confidence and independence into our Christian lives, and it lays there if we're not careful overlaying this desire. Help! Yet, how often are we praying that simple prayer, Help! On the way to some difficult meeting, Help me, Lord! When life is just closing down on me, Help, Lord! When life just seems so complicated, Help! When we can't even put it into a more cohesive sentence than that, simply we say, help, please help me. Lots of non-Christian folk who have a vague notion that there may be a God, hopefully be a God, are regularly praying those kind of prayers. And the interesting thing is, of course, God, being the kind of God he is, hears them and chooses often to answer them. We are not created to be self-sufficient. So we will not make it in life if we cut ourselves off from all people. We were not made to be self-sufficient as human beings and we are certainly not made to be self-sufficient, independent when we are remade as Christians. We will never live this Christian life effectively on our own. We need help. And God has sent us a helper. In the 1970s, Christian churches got into all sorts of tangles over the gift of the Spirit. And all sorts of theological discussions were made and churches divided on the issue of the Spirit. What a load of nonsense that was. He is the gift of God to us to help us live this life that God has given us. We will never make it on our own neither as individuals nor as churches together. We need his help. And he promised it. King David witnessed what happened when his predecessor as king lost the gift of the Spirit. Saul arrogantly and willfully sinned on two large occasions and after the second occasion in 1 Samuel 15. God took his Holy Spirit from him, we're told, in chapter 16. And Paul's life, Saul's life, basically fell apart. He collapsed inwardly. Without the strength and help of God, he became a terror-struck man, a man who constantly saw shadows all around him, constantly thinking that people were after his life. Paranoid is not the word for it. Saul just broke apart because God took his Holy Spirit from him. So when David in his turn had arrogantly and willfully sinned in the matter of Bathsheba and had been confronted by Nathan the prophet about what he'd done and had responded to God instantly because his heart was like God's instantly in penitence he wrote Psalm 51 and part of that psalm includes this line do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He was terrified that God would abandon him and leave him without help because he had seen what that does to a person. So this wasn't trying to be an extra special follower of God. He wasn't trying to go up a grade. He was saying, without the Spirit, I will never make it in life. Please do not take your Spirit from me. And God in his grace didn't. He knew that without God's help, without the help of God had given him, he would be utterly lost. Years later, God made a promise to the people of Israel as they are chastened, kicking their heels in the land of Babylon. And through the prophet Ezekiel, God made a promise to them. They have suffered the shattering experience of being dislocated from the land of promise Where the temple had been destroyed, all the important buildings had been destroyed, most of the people had been taken off into captivity, and the land completely devastated. And they were languishing in the land of their enemies in Babylon, but God had a message of hope, of restoration, of new start through the prophet Ezekiel. This is years before Jesus comes. Five or six hundred years before Jesus comes, and this is what he includes in Ezekiel 36. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your land. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So it wasn't just that God was saying one day this captivity will end I'll bring you back to the land and we'll start again just as before because he knows left to themselves nothing will change. So here comes this wonderful promise the gift of the spirit up to this point has been reserved for people in important roles like kings or priests occasionally prophets. But now the people are going to receive and that's something that was emphasized by not only Ezekiel, but by Joel, who said, on behalf of God, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And this was fulfilled as Peter, on the day of Pentecost, saw to his amazement as the Lord sent his Spirit on the new church. So Jesus is in complete harmony with God's plan, when he tells his disciples during those hours before he gets to the cross that he would ask the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another counsellor, another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He knew they would need help in the coming days and so he's promising the helper would come. If you come here this morning totally able to live your life, Without God's help, you need not worry about this message because it won't be for you. You have it sewn up and dyed up. But most of us come on Sundays thinking, I could really do with some more help this week, Lord. I wasn't always walking in step with you last week. I just need your help, Father. Not just for the things that I can identify, but the simple process of being your person every moment of every day. That's why we come together to receive the help of those people of faith who surround us and pray with us and celebrate God and also to receive more of God's will in our lives. The story of Christ's passion in the Gospel of John differs from that in the Synoptic Gospels in quite a few ways. Not only in what it includes, for example, there's no foot washing, which is in John's Gospel but not in the other Gospels, but also in what it omits, in John's Gospel, when Jesus is in the account when, when Jesus is in Gethsemane, there is no record of him praying, in Luke's words, earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There's no mention of that. There's nothing about his being, in Mark's words, deeply distressed and troubled, of his soul being overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Nothing in that at all. John leaves all that out that Jesus in John's gospel triumphantly works his way through. He is the one in charge at every point. Read it again. Chapters 13 through to 19, and then the crucifixion. You will find that for all that happens to Jesus, he is in charge. He sits calmly and peacefully, even when Pilate is saying, don't you know I have power to take your life from you? And Jesus says, you would have no power over me at all acceptable given you from above he is in charge so the emphasis in john's gospel is not the agony of jesus though it is true that's what he's going through but his desire to encourage strengthen and help his disciples he knows what he will face And as a result, he knows what they're going to face accordingly in the days to come. So he says in chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is the man who Mark tells us his soul is so troubled, he feels like he's on the point of death. He's saying to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Isn't that the terror of these disciples? That they're going to be abandoned? That he's not going to be with them. They have to make it on their own. I will not leave you as orphans, he says. I will come to you. That's a resurrection reference. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. And we could go on in chapter 16. Now is your time of grief. Verse 22. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. Verse 33. I have told you these things. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You get the message? He knows his disciples are facing real difficulty. Not just in the next few hours and days. That's going to be a profound shock for them. But in the future he's going to leave them. And they're going to be his only witness in the world. They need help. So he promises them. A helper. The gift of the Spirit is intended to reassure them that as they embark on life without Jesus, they will not be on their own. They will have the support, presence and encouragement of the Spirit of Truth, God's own Spirit, to help them. They know the Spirit. He has been with them. Because Jesus is a man of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. So they know the Spirit. But he's been in Jesus. Now he will be in them. That's what Pentecost, the Spirit moves as it were physically from being in the person they were with to being in them. And Jesus has been with them for three years of intense life and ministry. Now one like Jesus will be with them forever. So disciples even today are heard to say, I wish I had lived in the days of Jesus. It would be so much easier than today. Which is flatly contradicted by this passage and the one in chapter 16, which we come to later on in a few Sundays' time. Jesus says, it's better for you if I go away. Because if he's standing here, if he's standing in Jerusalem, he cannot be with the disciples in Bethlehem. And if he's in Bethlehem, he cannot be with them in Nazareth. And he certainly can't be with us in London or Hirschman Zoo or anywhere else. But when Jesus goes and the Spirit comes, the Spirit can, by virtue of the fact that Jesus is Lord of all the earth and the new creation has begun, he can be with everyone, everywhere, all the time. Not just in special places, at special times. The word which the NIV translates as counsellor or advocate literally means one who is called alongside and has overtones of a law court. Someone who is called alongside then to help another person in a court of law. As an advocate or witness or representative. That's who we're talking about. We use the word counsellor more lightly. We say a marriage counsellor. That's not a law court. That's someone who gives you advice having heard your story and gives you advice which you may or may not take. That's not what this one means. The counsellor means here, the advocate means here, in a law court, in the Jewish times, the judge would stand or sit and he would hear this side and that side and he would decide who's speaking the truth. And he would vindicate them or justify them if he is persuaded that their case is the right one. And the counsellor comes, the advocate comes to stand with us And speak persuasively on our behalf. So when we're in, as it were, before God, we will always be vindicated. We will always be justified because the Spirit speaks on our behalf. The word comforter is also sometimes used, but unfortunately in English it's lost some of its impact. So it's a word better not used because comforter sounds like a scarf you stick around your neck. That's far too passive Helper is not a bad word, the Good News Bible uses that one, so long as we exclude any overtones of being subordinate or inferior. I did this, but he helped me. This is the same helper who is our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. This is not talking about an inferior subordinate but someone who's great who brings to us all the resources of the Godhead everything that God has for us he brings it to us. So the help we need is the help we can only get from God and the help we receive is the help we need from God. The helper he sends to us who is available to us here and now and at every moment in this coming week, whatever you're facing is the third member of the Trinity who is with God, eternally divine. Over the years, we've somehow got a pecking order of the, of the Trinity. The Father is always mentioned first, but we must never denigrate the Son or the Spirit to anything less than fully God. At one point, there was a song that said, Father, Father, Um, glorify your name in all the earth, son, glorify your name in all the earth, and then people wouldn't sing, spirit, glorify your name, because he says, along in the scriptures, I've come to glorify him, so they wouldn't say that. But he is to be glorified, because he is God, and nothing less than God at any time. So my friends, as we face this new week, whatever it involves for any of us. And we cry out for help. We have a God who hears us and who has promised to give us all the help we need to live the life he wants us to in the power of his Spirit. I dare say the older we get in human life, the more we realise that we need the help of others to make it through the day. I was helping my son move a few years ago and I was at the house so I could see the removers in And um, I opened the door for them when they arrived and I went to the back of the van. I started to reach out for something to take off the back of the van. This young, strong man said, thank you very much. Just go and sit down. We'll do this, he said, looking at my white hair and my skinny arms and things. And they did it with such verve and vigour. I needed their help. And I have to have the grace to say thank you. Even young ladies in trains now stand for me. Isn't that nice? White hair is an advantage, and I don't turn them down because that would be churlish, wouldn't it? I thank them for it, I respect. We need help. My friends, the dare say, the older we get in spiritual life, too, the more we realize we need help. We need the help of God. Never be afraid to ask God for help, nor to be afraid to ask any of God's people for help. For we are given as helpers to each other, aren't we? To be a source of blessing to one another. And the message from God this morning to you is I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. You are not on your own in this. I am with you to give you all the help you need. Ask me, and I will give it to you. Two quotes. One from the Old Testament, one from the New. Zechariah 4.6 says this, and you know it before I tell you it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And from Philippians 4, this was a reference in the context of finances. That's the context of this phrase, but nonetheless it applies more broadly than that. Paul says, I can do everything through him Who gives me strength. Today and this week, my friend, you can do all that God calls you to do through the strength that He will provide you with. And having the Spirit also brings delight and some amusing incidents. I don't think I've read this story before to this group of people, but you may have heard it before, and it's one of Tony Campolo's. Several years ago, I was invited to speak at a small Pentecostal college located near Eastern College, where I teach. I love going to this little school because the people there seem to be so in touch with the power of the Holy Spirit. Before the chapel service, several of the faculty members took me into a side room to pray with me. I got down on my knees, and the six of them them put their hands on my head and prayed for me, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me up and use me effectively as I spoke to the students. Pentecostals seem to pray longer and with more dynamism than we Baptists do. These men prayed long, and the longer they prayed, the more they leaned on my head. They prayed on and on and leaned harder and harder. One of them kept whispering, Do you feel the spirit? Do you feel the spirit? To tell you the truth, I felt something right at the base of my neck, but I wasn't sure it was a spirit. One of the faculty members prayed at length about a particular man named Charlie Stolfus that kind of ticked me off and I thought to myself if you're going to lean on my head the least you could do is pray for me He prayed on and on for this guy who was about to abandon his wife and three children. I can still hear him calling out, Lord, Lord, don't let that man leave his wife and children. Send an angel to bring that man back to his family. Don't let that family be destroyed. You know who I'm talking about, Lord. You know who I'm talking about. Charlie Stolfus. He lives down the road about a mile on the right-hand side in a silver house trailer. I thought to myself with some degree of exasperation, God knows where he lives. What do you think God's doing, sitting up there in heaven saying, give me that address again? (laughs) Following the chapel talk, I got in my car and headed home. I was getting on to the Pennsylvania Turnpike when I saw a young man hitchhiking on the side of the road. I picked him up. I know you're not supposed to, but I'm a Baptist preacher and whenever I can get someone locked into where I can preach to him, I do it. As we pulled back onto the highway, I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's your name? He said, my name's Charlie Stolfus. (laughs) I didn't say a word. I drove down the turnpike, got off at the next junction, turned around and headed back. And when I did that, he looked at me and he said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? And I said, I'm taking you home. He said, why? And I said, because you just left your wife and three children, right? And he said, right. And he leaned against the passenger door the rest of the way, staring at me. I drove off the turnpike and onto a side road, straight to his silver house trailer, one mile down on the right-hand side. When I pulled into the drive, he looked at me with astonishment and said, How did you know I lived here? I said, God told me. Well, I believe that God did tell me. I think God may set up things like that just for fun. I mean, if you're God, you're probably having a pretty sad time of it, looking down on all the things that are going on in the world. I told Charlie you get in that house trailer because I want to talk to you and I want to talk to your wife. He ran into that mobile home ahead of me. I don't know what he said to his wife, but when I got into the house trailer, her eyes were as wide as saucers. I sat them down and said, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. Man, did they listen. And during the next hour, I led both of them into a personal relationship with Jesus. And today that guy is a Pentecostal preacher down south. Well... I'm not suggesting that lots of things like that are going to happen to us this week, but who knows? God gives us a spirit to do wonderful things like that and to do all the normal, nitty-gritty, ordinary, plain, mundane stuff too, to his glory. Help, please, and wow. The only three prayers you're ever going to need, someone suggested. Help. Don't be afraid to ask God for help. And I'm just going to, just for a few moments, so this is not to put anyone under any pressure, but is there someone here, and this isn't a word of knowledge or anything like that, is there someone here who's facing something particularly difficult, and it could be more than one person, that you want to sort of pray for you now? That would be a good moment. So I'm just going to give you a few moments just to decide it may be you or not. If you're facing something you really don't want to look forward to, and you want God's help in a particular way, I'm going to get you to stand in the middle, and we're all going to pray for you. Any takers? Stand in the middle there, Sylvia. And the rest of us... No, back there. That's it. That's fine. That's fine. If you want to, and you're able to, not everyone's else can, but go and stand around Sylvia and lay your hand on her. Because we are the expression of the body of Christ to her. That's it all around her, so she feels completely circled by the people... In front as well, in front as well, so she's not looking into space. That's it. Lovely. And just... I don't know whether you're used to this, but we're just going to do it for a little while. Speak your prayer aloud, not not loudly aloud, but just mumble it aloud. Whatever comes to you, well, how do you want God to bless her? She's crying out, she's saying, help me, Lord, in this coming week. We don't need to know what that is. We just need to say, Lord, give her the help she needs. So let's all pray aloud, now together, simultaneously. Father, I want to pray for Sylvia. That she may know your strength and grace in a particular way in this coming week. That whatever it is she's facing, Lord, that you would be gracious to her and give her your help. We know, Lord, she has your Holy Spirit. We know you want to fill her full of your Holy Spirit. Will you please, Lord, in response to our prayers and her prayer, give her as much of your Holy Spirit as you can give to her that she can receive. And in that gift, Lord, of giving her yourself, she may know your strength and grace and encouragement and the presence of God, not only in this moment, Lord, but in the whole of this week to come, not least in this moment that she's not looking forward to. We're asking, Lord, that she will feel courageous and bold at that moment too and will be able to do whatever it is you're asking to the praise of your glorious name. Is there anything particular anyone wants to say to Sylvia before we break up? Okay, anyone else? Anyone else? It could be someone else, I just don't want to exclude you, that's all. Okay, take your seats then. So it seems appropriate, we've already had it spoken to us. This morning already, but just at this point, then, just as God promises to be with us, to help us, as we cry out to Him for help, we won't make it without Him, but we're going to say, Lord, we're calling on You for help. But know this the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His face towards you
0: and give you peace. Amen.